The show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking about building the healthcare of tomorrow. If you're just now joining us, we hope you'll follow us and check out our previous episodes, all 200 of them. We're in season seven, where we're writing the consumer health playbook and answering three important questions. Who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? Let us know what you think about this episode and what topics you're dying to hear about in future episodes by reaching out on LinkedIn or Twitter at Healthcare Wrap. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about the evolving role of the CMO in healthcare. Will the trend of marketing leaders being responsible now for digital experience continue to grow? I'll talk about that. Then David Harvey is in the house to share some provocative thinking about evaluating digital health solutions. David shares some key findings from Panda Health's 2022 Hospital Digital Health Technology Report. It's time to dive deep. Are you ready? Let's go. flavor of the week. The CMO role isn't dying, it's just going through a metamorphosis. That's according to an article in Forbes by John Ellett, a senior partner at Profit, where he spoke about the modern CMO role and how it's becoming more common for the role to be called chief marketing and something else officer. He refers to it as the CMO plus model. One of his examples that I feel like is the most relevant for healthcare organizations was Shweta Panapa, who's recently named chief marketing and digital experience officer at Providence. The author quotes her as saying, the way I see marketing supporting brand right now is driving the brand story further and delivering delivering personalized experiences. These digital touch points, how we bring the brand promise to life, that's key to me. The Providence promise is know me, care for me, ease my way. That speaks volumes to how innovation can bring that promise to life. So if we can relieve friction in their digital journeys, and there's some hard journeys that patients have, that's how we bring the brand alive. She added, marketing at Providence has stopped being just about brand. It has become about driving incremental, attributable growth. A lot of this growth comes through digital exploration and digital commerce, such as finding our physicians online and making appointments. If we look at all of that under the digital commerce umbrella, it just makes sense for digital experience and marketing to live together. Unquote. Senior roles are changing quickly in healthcare. This is just one of the latest examples. Other marketing leaders now have customer experience or consumer insights in their titles. I'm particularly encouraged, though, to see digital experience becoming more aligned with marketing because, again, I feel like when that happens, consumers win. At the same time, I do think that if this truly becomes a trend and takes off, it leads to some questions that are fair to ask, such as, where are leaders learning how to succeed in these new roles? Are they set up to succeed at all? And do they have the support they need to set their new consumer-first vision for engagement and growth? Are their new responsibilities just being piled on top of their existing mountain of marketing tasks, or do they have support to decide what not to do? 
And how are candidates being found to backfill the mid-level manager and director roles supporting these leaders? Thinking about these aspects, the operational realities of incorporating the CMO Plus model might feel pretty daunting, but like most of the changes that we talk about on this show, we'll celebrate every single bit of incremental progress that happens along the way. We know it's going to take some time, and we're in this journey for the long haul. I hope you are too. It's time to embrace the CMO Plus model at scale and see how it helps us design encounters with the healthcare system that are truly consumer first. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the week. The flow, the flow, the flow. All right, everyone, let's get into the flow. Give it up for David Harvey. David's the CEO at Panda Health. Welcome, David, to the Healthcare Wrap. Hey, Jared. Thanks for having me. Congrats on uh, your continued podcast uh, success, and I'm glad to be here today. Well, we're glad that we could keep this thing going so we could speak with folks like you. I think there's so much that's changing and happening in the industry, and we can't wait to dig in. But before I get there, I want to give you a chance to fill in any blanks in your bio. What else would you like our listeners to know about, about you and your background? Uh, great question. A lot that they probably don't want to know, but I'll, uh, I guess I'll start maybe with a little bit about why I'm even in this world of healthcare IT. This is uh, Panda Health that we'll talk about a little bit today is the fourth company that I've been involved with in the world of healthcare IT, primarily focused on the uh, experience of a consumer in the world of healthcare. And, And it's a very personal connection for me because 21 years ago now, my son was born with something called Vodder syndrome which is a series of of birth defects uh, that impacts about one in every 15,000 children that are born. It's an acronym that stands for vertebral, anal, tracheal, esophageal, and renal. And a baby can have one or more of these associated birth defects uh, when they're born. Our son's doing great today. Uh, He's a junior in college, software engineering, doing amazing stuff, and you'd never know it if you saw him. So we've had a great clinical outcome. Uh, But when he was born, my wife and I were thrust into this world of the U.S. healthcare system for the first time. We had been uh, very healthy, uh, thankfully, up until that point, and he was our first child. And we spent the first you know, two to three months of his life in the NICU, and he had dozens of surgeries over his first two years of life. And it was uh, a front row seat to the U.S. healthcare system, and we were immediately heavy consumers of the U.S. healthcare system. And even though we had an amazing clinical team that produced a great eventual outcome for our son. Uh, The back office operational side of healthcare uh, drove my wife and I crazy. And we thought there was much improvement uh, that could happen in that space. And as an entrepreneur, I had already helped to start two telecom companies. But when my son was born, it really kind of took front seat to everything else. Uh, And ever since then, I've been totally immersed in the world of, of healthcare and the consumer experience in healthcare. So started a company during that tumultuous time in our lives to try to liberate information for patients and help providers who shared a patient in common better communicate with each other. That company was called Medical Messaging. I sold it to Athena Health, ran product strategy at Athena Health for uh, part of my tenure there. Uh, kind of got exposed to the world of revenue cycle management, uh, EHRs, and the company that you know they bought from me became the patient engagement platform for Athena. 
so it was great to see this little patient portal that we had built, one of the first patient portals in the country, you know, get legs and get exposure to a much larger group of patients and providers that we serve. Uh, and we went on to implement uh, many other you know, technological advancements that have been helpful in improving the world for consumers in healthcare. But as you know, and, and by evidence, the reason we're here today is we still have a much longer journey ahead of us. So I've started Panda Health uh, to continue that journey to try to remove the friction that exists today in the healthcare industry that is preventing providers and patients from getting access to the intuitive digital workflows that other industries you know, have adopted with ease and pretty successfully. Healthcare is continuing to be a laggard and we're uh, still marching away, trying to make an impact and making uh, the U.S. healthcare healthcare system a little bit better every year for for uh, the patients that need it. That's right. Well, I'll tell you what, I find that those who are the have the most helpful outlook about making healthcare more consumer first are those who have encountered it the most. And so I think that just kind of validated, you know, thanks for, for sharing that. Well, having a long horizon, like 20 years, uh, you know, does give you some hope that we, we really have made some pretty good progress. In 2001, when our son was born, our physician, our pediatric surgeon, his office was on an EHR at the time. And you can imagine how basic it, it might have been. It was a software product, you know, that was installed in their office. And we pushed and pushed for a copy of our son's medical records so that we, number one, knew what had been done for our son. Uh, but number two, we hoped to under, better understand what his care plan was going forward. Uh, and we were trying to just remember everything that a doctor told us, which was so much pressure on my wife and I to try to, you know, to be that source of truth and an advocate for our son. It was it was too much pressure for any any caregiver or parent of a patient or a patient to have to you know, carry on their own shoulders. So we pushed and pushed for a copy, electronic copy of his medical record. And eventually we got, you know, six compact discs that had his medical record, <laughs> you know, burned onto those compact discs. And to this day, uh, we have the discs, but we've never met a computer that we can put it into and see what's actually on those <laughs> on those discs. So when you think back to those days uh, versus where we are today, you can see that we really have made a lot of progress and more and more information is accessible by patients and those that care for those patients. And we've come a long way, but there's there's still a lot to be done. I like that thought of a long-term look back to see the progress we've made. And I think one of the areas that that I can relate directly to that is in the side of making healthcare more consumer first. And I'll set up today's conversation with this thought of, I'm seeing four pillars that keep coming up, like these recurring themes of when we look at the existing system, the system, the industry, whatever we want to call it, when we look at it, and how do we change it? How do we how do we make things more consumer first? What do we do about that? What does that even look like? And who's involved? I see four pillars or four teams that that the more they're involved together, the quicker we make progress. And those are the what I refer to as the architects. So the the everyone from experience design to to business innovation to you know the human centered design uh, community that's involved. So you've got the architects and you've got the builders who are those who have the the digital and tech knowledge to understand what tools to even implement there. It's great to design it, but then we've got to build the thing and we need to know what the tools are and, and what the what the components are. Then you have the finance side. We've got to understand, you know, we've got to make the econ economics work or or it's a no-go at all. 
And then we need to understand the marketing side. We need to know how to influence people's behaviors, consumers' behaviors. And so I feel like it, it's those four. And today we really want to dig down deep into that, the builder's side, if you will, those who are involved in the tools and the the everything from the point solutions to everything that's connecting it. About There's a report that Panda Health just came out with that I'd love to dig into with you, which is the... I believe you refer to it as the the Hospital Digital Health Technology Report for 2022. Some yeah. really interesting findings there. Where would you like to start in terms of a, a key finding to get us going? Well, great question. And thanks for bringing up the report. But I'd love to get back to your uh, kind of four principles, uh, if we could, for a second. Because I, th- I think you might be missing one. And it's something that we run into a lot in our, our jobs here at Panda. And you maybe you think of it when you mentioned your architectural layer or your design layer. Uh, but there's a, a visionary leader or just a leadership level that I think is needed before the four that you mentioned, because, you know, one of the things that's highlighted in the report, but also that you and I probably see, you know, every day in the world of healthcare, you know, there are some health systems that have embraced transformation and are have a plan, have a strategy and a vision for where, what they want their healthcare system to be and how they want to evolve to treating, you know, their patients like consumers. Uh, and then there are those health systems who haven't made that, that mental shift yet. And you know, perhaps they still have a board that isn't looking into the future as much as they should. Or perhaps they think as the incumbent healthcare organization in their community that the patients are just going to keep coming and we don't have much competition. So the status quo is fine. Uh, and that's kind of an inherent issue just in healthcare in general, right? You know, the first rule is uh, to do no harm. So I think healthcare, unlike industries, sometimes does just sit back and is patient, waits, lets things play out before they make a decision, you know, to get involved or to move or make radical changes. And I can appreciate that. And in some cases, they're exactly right. But I think some of those laggards who haven't, you know, created a board that's supportive or hasn't put a C-suite in place that is ready for transformational change or a health system who hasn't started putting uh, digital assets and digital transformation as a growing part of their budget in the years to come. You know, those are our laggards and they may be okay for some period of time, but disruption, I think, is coming. You see that from some innovative, disruptive care models that are out there in the country today. And today, some of those disruptors, whether they're digital first single specialty companies or their physician, you know, aggregation groups like, uh, you know, Privia or One Medical who are focused more on consumer experience. You know, they're coming after primary care relationships today uh, and trying to win those relationships away from incumbent health systems. But but soon those primary care relationships are going to evolve into controlling referral patterns and eventually specialty care. And that's going to have an impact on health systems. So we believe that that first pillar above the design and the builders and finance and marketing that you mentioned is this commitment to move where the patients are and to start doing business with consumers in the way that consumers have grown to expect it. Stay tuned for more provocative thinking after the break. (laughs) 
Hey, listen up, y'all. Did you know that nearly 60% of people wish their healthcare provider sent them more relevant health information? And 42% would even consider switching to a different provider that sent them more, according to a recent survey of patients in the U.S. The vast majority of them would prefer to get that information via email or text. Persado is a natural language AI company that provides healthcare organizations with pre-developed, pre-optimized messaging journeys proven to build digital relationships, improve health goals, and increase patient retention. Deliver better health outcomes and revenue growth with Persado's data-driven content that inspires action. Visit persado.com to learn more. That's persado, P-E-R-S-A-D-O.com to find out how Persado can help. Justin Knott here with the Patient Convert Podcast, your weekly dose of healthcare marketing growth strategies, co-hosted by Justin and Kelly Knott. This is perfect for physicians, practice owners, healthcare entrepreneurs, and healthcare executives. We are breaking down what practices and healthcare organizations should be doing to grow, reach, and retain patients. There's so much confusion and so many options out there around what you should be focusing on to grow your practice, and we're breaking down each week what really works. We're bringing real-world application, case studies, and interviews from leading growth-minded physicians and healthcare executives. So catch us weekly on your favorite listening platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. Okay, back to the flow. I think you're right. I, th- I think a lot of this is a long-term trend. I think you're right that patients are going to not all stay in the same place and expect to experience healthcare in the same way. And so, you know, being able to recognize that at the leadership level is important. That, that's a that's a great distinction there. And so, you know, when when we talk about how that has to do with the report that we just referenced. There's a lot of interesting insight there, which I think just gives us a snapshot of how leaders are feeling right now. Where would you like to start? Well, so if I if I kind of parlay what I was just talking about into the report, the lip service through the report is excellent. You know, 90, I think it was greater than 90% of those who responded. And these are all C-suite respondents, uh, CEOs, CFOs, CIOs, uh, chief digital officers. Those were the respondents to the survey that we produced and the report that we produced. But more than 90% of them said that a uh, digital transformation strategy is critical to their future success. They said the right thing through those survey responses, but 48% acknowledged that they don't have a strong digital strategy. So all of them think it's important almost, yet less than half of them have even put a plan in place. And you have to have a plan before you can even think about executing. They're lagging behind. And um, and that was one of the eye-openers that came out in the report that maybe not an eye-opener to those of us that are, are in the industry, but uh, it just means that we have a long way to go towards adopting or executing a transformation strategy, a digital transformation strategy within a health system or national, you know, on a national scale. Yeah, you're right. It, it all starts there. It all starts with the strategy. And I think their comfort level, it sounds like, comes out there. That It's interesting 
putting those two data points together, like you said, and kind of saying, well, they, they're saying the right things, but not feeling like they've got a strong enough strategy right now. It's quite telling. Yeah. And it's hard to turn a battleship. So it's just, it, it's like we've said, healthcare is a laggard in general. And then there are laggards within healthcare that are cautious and it's taking them longer to turn that battleship. But I do think it's it's coming. And uh, another thing that I point to often when I'm talking about uh, this topic is, is if I don't go back 20 years, but even if I just go back 10 years, you know, during my time at Athena Health, where, you know, we had 80,000, 100,000 providers all on our cloud-based EHR platform. And, you know, I ran product strategy for part of my time there. And and every year we would build a, a product you know, roadmap or update our product roadmap. And every year we were getting inputs from a variety of sources about new features, new functionality you know, that we needed to exist within you know, our EHR or our revenue cycle product or our, inside of our patient engagement platform. For example, we need uh, an ophthalmology jotter in the EHR or we need the patient portal to be translated into Portuguese and, you know, all these requests that would come in and and every year we would host a, you know, a client summit and people would come in and we would report back to them, you know, our progress on our product roadmap, what new features were coming out in what version of release. And then we, we would take in more, even more and more ideas from those audiences that would go onto the roadmap. And it was inevitable that, you know, we would not accomplish what we set out to accomplish on those roadmaps. The amount of great ideas coming into the funnel couldn't be processed to come out the bottom end of the funnel in the form of new features and new functionality. So at times, you know, I felt like those great ideas were going into a black hole. This was at a time when EHR companies, you know, felt like we were the digital strategy for our clients. We had to build everything that they needed. No matter what it was, we were going to be the platform on which a hospital or a medical group ran their practices. We couldn't let anyone else develop cool tools. It had to be the EHR companies. And some EHR companies are still stuck in that mentality that they need to be all things to all people, but it's just not realistic. And so fast forward, you know, 10, 12, 15 years where we are today, and there's been this proliferation of exciting, creative capabilities that have emerged from all of these great entrepreneurs that in the early 2000s set their sights on this highly regulated, uh, very complicated industry of healthcare. And it's great that those entrepreneurs like me came out of the telecom industry and turned our attention to healthcare because it's, it's really driven a lot of transformational change. To the point now that we have a very, very different problem in healthcare than we did 10 years ago. 10 years ago, hospitals and provider groups were beholden to their EHR company for almost all of their digital innovations. Today, we have a very different problem. There was one study uh, recently, I think, that estimated there could be as many as 10,000 different digital health companies that have been started and are out there producing very interesting capabilities and workflows. So now we have this very different challenge, you know, where if there are as many as 10,000 different digital health companies that are out there, how do you make sense out of that crowded marketplace? And in that same report that we just produced, you know, 95% of the respondents said it's very challenging to narrow down the list of digital solutions just to evaluate, much less 
choose and, and execute a contract with. So making sense of this crowded field is, is kind of the new challenge. And I think in general, the market should win and the best ideas and the best products and the best capabilities and the best value and the best price should win. So I think it's great that we have this multitude of options now for health systems and provider organizations to choose from, but helping them make sense of what is now a crowded field uh, is a real challenge. And it's a real opportunity for my company, Panda Health, because that's exactly what we do. We help them sift through the noise and by better, by understanding our health systems and our buyers to a uh, you know, highly detailed degree, we can help them make the best choice that matches the need, the use cases they're looking to solve for, the business problems they're trying to solve for, their budget, their risk tolerance, their thirst for innovation, we their cultural match. We match all of those unique needs that the health system has to the best buyers, the best suppliers that are suited to uh, to deliver on those challenges that they're facing. So our job is to do precisely that, help narrow the field. And it's encouraging uh, to me that 95% see that as a real challenge for them today. And so it's validation that our Panda business model is solving a, a big problem, helping them sift through that noise and narrow the field down to you know a handful of solutions that are likely going to be the best match for the business problem that the health system is trying to solve for. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I, I feel that among people, among people I speak with, that is a very real number, that 95%. It is hard to narrow down, to know with confidence that they are even aware of all the right solutions and and... And you just start talking APIs at one point and everyone's like, oh, you know, you have to figure out what it yeah. connects with, not even just connects with, but like, does it connect well with? And so that evolution is happening within those with any responsibility over picking these solutions and where that sits within an organization has has changed too. That kind of brings up one other data point that I found interesting. It was kind of a juxtaposition of two different findings in the report. And it was this one. It, it was that 70% of hospital executives characterized the digital health acquisition process as moderately to extremely challenging, yet 83% anticipate that digital health adoption will increase over the next three years. So they're saying, yeah, this is necessary. It's going to keep happening more, but it's really hard for us to do this. So I don't know. What do you make out of that? Yeah, for those that are enlightened and aren't those laggards, uh, you know, they know they need to evolve. And they know that these disruptors are out in the marketplace and they're coming after their primary care relationships. Uh, and so they know that they need to evolve and meet the patients where they are and interact with consumers in a way that consumers have become accustomed to doing business with companies that they do business with uh, in other industries. So I think those respondents know where they need to go, but then it's good to, and reassuring to a degree to hear them say that they know for their organizations to digest that change, it's going to be extremely challenging. And one of the things is that all of these different health systems that are out there trying to evolve are doing it in a silo to a large degree. They're doing it on their own. Every one of them you know, puts digital health suppliers through key stakeholder meetings, through a technology platform assessment, they do their own kind of cybersecurity evaluations. They do their own RFI processes, their own RFP processes. They go through their own kind of compliance and regulatory checks with those suppliers. Uh, they go through their own contract negotiations with those suppliers. And every time they make a purchase, 
they're putting that one supplier through that process and it happens once and they get that one deal out of it potentially. But that can be happening in a, happening in a much more efficient way. And so Panda steps in in between the buyers and the suppliers and collects all of that information once on behalf of our suppliers, then it can be reused over and over again with different health systems that are trying to solve the same business problems. So we are creating some scale and efficiency and some centralization here at Panda that really doesn't exist in the market today, which has got us very excited. So for those respondents to the survey that are fretting this idea that how am I going to generate enough throughput at speed you know, to get where we want to go, you know, on time and on budget, that must be very uh, daunting because they know they have a very bureaucratic and somewhat antiquated process of narrowing the field of potential solutions for their health system uh, and then evaluating those solutions and then contracting and implementing those uh, solutions within their health systems. And to do those uh, serially, uh, one at a time, you know, they're looking at a 20-year 25-year time horizon to get where they need to go. And the market is likely to have passed them by uh, if they stay on that track. Now, one of the other things that came out of that survey is even when they're doing it all on their own, they're doing their own research, their own evaluation, their own contracting, you know, less than 25% of the respondents to our study felt confident that they were picking the right solution for their health system and that it was going to be a successful implementation of that service within their health system. So not only do they have this long bureaucratic process, but when it comes out the other end, they're not confident that they've done the right thing. So the other thing that we do is in the process of doing our work, we help to de-risk their choices and saddle them with less technical debt and less uh, a lower risk profile than they would trying to do this on their own. That's great. It is. It's it's something that's so important and and we need a lot of it. Thank you for that. Uh, I just have a couple more questions here because what all that makes me think about is kind of broadening out and taking a step back to say if if things keep going the way they are and you know, you know, let's say things keep going well for Panda, you know, that there's a lot of adoption of the the platform and the the things that you have going on. What's the short-term progress that we hope to make? Like what can we realistically expect just in the industry? if things go the way they are right now? I think we can, uh, I definitely think there's room for uh, improvement and uh, room to increase increase speed to value. It's almost like the two ends of the spectrum, you know, have a hard time speaking with each other. There's a, a barrier that sits in, in between all of these health systems that know they need to evolve, but just don't know how to evolve. Or half of them may have a plan but very few of them know how to execute that plan efficiently. But they they know they want to they want to evolve and they want to compete and they want to meet consumers where they are. Uh, so they have a desire, but don't know how to get there. On the other side of you know our marketplace and the spectrum are all these you know innovative entrepreneurial digital health companies you know that are laser focused on you know doing what they do better than anyone else does it. Uh, whether that's uh, patient payments or messaging to patients or provider reputations or better scheduling or remote patient monitoring, all these things, these companies are over here with a lot of funding and a lot of talented people being the best in the world at their particular narrow area of focus. And so they're, they're investing a ton in building a great tool and a solution, 
but they have a, the hardest time getting that message across the transom to these health systems that need it. Uh, one of the survey response questions and responses was related to how many uh, healthcare executives, how many um, phone calls are they getting from vendors uh, in a given week? In some of the cases, it was 50 plus. I think on average, it was over 11 solicitations from suppliers every week are coming into the health systems. But they said, I can't remember the statistic, but very few you know, result in them actually acting on that message that's come across the transom to them. So there's this disconnect. We have all these great capabilities over here. We have these great needs over here, but there's a barrier of bureaucracy and friction and and a sense of being overwhelmed on the health system side that sits in the middle and it's blocking it. You know, you mentioned that, you know, you expect Panda will be part of that innovation. Is there anything in particular, like the next, I don't know, six to 12 months, even kind of shorter term? Well, we're still a pretty young company, but, you know, we're serving dozens of health systems currently and dozens of digital health suppliers uh, that have come to us as well. But what we need over the next, you know, 12 to 18 months is scale within our marketplace. And, you know, the more repeatable processes that we can build, the more centralization that we can build, you know, we can drive down the cost of this procurement friction and increase the speed of this uh, procurement process. Uh, so we're excited that with scale, we can have an, uh, kind of an exponentially growing amount of impact on this problem that we've identified. And we have some uh, great partners around the table that give us the promise of scale. So we have a very good relationship with Vizient. Uh, the nation's leading repurchasing organization. So there are 1,300 health systems and their access to this solution that we're creating. That gives us a lot of potential scale on the buy side of our marketplace. And we're growing the supply side of our marketplace uh, very quickly as well. These suppliers, that's their, their biggest challenge is getting access to buyers and driving awareness with buyers. And they spend a great deal of their capital on sales and marketing efforts when that could be going into making their products better and better and better for the consumers or the providers that those products serve. So there's a great opportunity for us to help them do what they do best and grease the pipes for you know their sales and marketing uh, activities. That's fantastic. What a, what a great roadmap. You know, what a great vision. And and if things go well, it's great to hear how that can bring not only some value, but some progress throughout the industry. I'm so glad we got to do this and I'm so glad we got to dig in. I know there's a lot more in the report itself. Before we go, is there a place, is, is that something people can download the report? Sure is. You can find it right on our, our website, panda.health. Fantastic. And how do listeners connect with you personally? Is that like on LinkedIn? Is that the best place for them to do that? Yeah, LinkedIn is great. Or send me an email to erv at panda.health. Hey, thanks again for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation. And if you did, do us a favor and follow us using your favorite podcast app. Then tell your friends and colleagues about us. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Healthcare App is a member of the Shift.Health Content Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're going to love the other shows in the Shift.Health Content Network. Go check out the latest show. In fact, it's called Hello Healthcare, hosted by Chris Hemphill. It's focused on people who are moving healthcare forward, how healthcare strategy relates to data and AI, and what you can do to create or demand a better future. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform or at Shift.Health, where all 35 podcasts and video series are free and available on demand. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks. And that's a wrap.